0: 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. Today, we welcome Rochelle Nemro, who earlier in 2020 sold her company Family ID to Arbiter Sports 10 years after founding it. Family ID is an online program registration platform. As founder and CEO, Rochelle was responsible for the strategic direction and growth for Family ID, which serves families and the educational, recreation, sports, and other programs in which they participate. Not only is Rochelle a relauncher herself, having taken a seven-year career break earlier in her career, but part of her business model relied on hiring relaunchers as Family ID was growing. I just met Rochelle when she was a guest on a recent entrepreneur panel Organized by Bobby Carlton, who runs the Innovation Women Online Speakers Bureau, among many other ventures. So, shout out to Bobby. Here's what one colleague said about Rochelle Rochelle is the best. I have worked with her many times and can't think of enough superlatives to describe the quality of her work and her special value as colleague and friend. And I just loved reading that. And I'm so excited to be speaking with Rochelle. Rochelle, welcome to 321 Relaunch.
1: Hi, Carol. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, thank you to whomever wrote that about me um, as well.
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, really wonderful. uh, Wonderful commentary. Uh, Rochelle, can you take us back to earlier uh, in your life and talk to us about your career path and then what led to your career break and then your, your ultimate relaunch?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's always fun to look back because you start to recognize patterns and things about yourself and your career that that you don't see while you're going through it. Um, I have always been in startups, and uh, since my very first job out of college, when I worked at a magazine called High Technology Business. Um, And I also realize I've actually never had a job that existed before, except for a short period of time. So I've always had a brand new job with a new title that didn't exist or worked for a company that didn't exist before. Um, So so that's just sort of an interesting pattern um, that I've seen as I look back. Um, one of the things I just want to say is I love solving problems in, in new ways. And I, I particularly love solving problems that affect me. So it's, it's very easy for me to be, to get excited about something that hasn't been done before, um, because that's what I'm really
0: attracted to. So you had this history of working for companies that didn't exist before and, and in doing jobs that didn't exist before. So there is always maybe this entrepreneurial element, uh, and, was there an event which defined the moment where you decided to take a career break and also determined how long that break was?
1: Oh, yeah, there was. So I, I always worked. Um, it was actually a joke with my kids um, where I'd say to them, you know, if they didn't get their homework done or I got a bad report, I'd say, you know, if you want. I can quit my job and spend spend more time focused on your lives, and they'd say, "No, no, no! You know, we'll be good. We'll be good." Um, I found it very That's a good one. <laughs> um, but for me, um, I had a company that I sold back in two thousand. And um, worked for the company that acquired us for about a year and a half or so. And after um, that point, my kids were at a stage where it really was a good time for me to, to actually focus on that much to their dismay. Um, and so I, I, took, I took a break at that time and, and did a lot of you know volunteering, um, work on the PTO, work in local government, um, drove my kids crazy. Um, so I, I spent a lot of, I spent you know about half a dozen, years, uh, focused on my family.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then what was the moment that led to starting family ID? What did it, did you like wake up in the middle of the night? Was it something that was sort of gradually, um, becoming apparent to you? And then how did it morph into the successful company that it ultimately became?
1: Well, so I didn't go from not working at all to starting Family Idea. I actually did um, marketing consulting for for a few years um, mm-hmm. for for a lot of reasons, including the fact that I found me spending myself spending a lot of time returning bags to Target, and um, I uh, I don't have a ton of hobbies. I mean, work is my hobby, uh, so uh-huh. I, I really need to get myself back involved mentally. So I was probably working about half time for a while. And during that time, my kids were right at the age where they were just involved in a ton of activities. And um, as I've said multiple times, if, if you have two kids who are, all, who are doing 10 things, why does it feel like you have 20 kids? Every time you sign mm-hmm. them up for something, you're you know, filling out the same 100 questions again and again and again. And, and it, was, it was ridiculous. Um, and so I just looked at that problem and thought, I think that I would rather start a company then fill out another form. <laughs> that, <laughs> That's great. That was really what what drove me to it. That and and um, I do my best thinking in the shower, and mm-hmm. uh, so I wasted a ton of water coming up with that idea. But um, it, was, it was a lot of long showers.
0: Wow, I love that. Uh, so you get this idea, you're solving a problem, and what happened? Like, how? Where did you start?
1: Well, you know, it was interesting. So, you know, as I said, I've been in startups for a long time and I, I've been in technology for a long time. So, um, I was, you know, lucky enough to be in a position where I had people that I could go to who could help advise me. So, um, a longtime colleague, friend, advisor um, named Peter Carlson, who um, I actually started working with at my previous company launching a new website, I, I always remember how long I've worked with him because we started working together when I was on maternity leave with my daughter. So I can actually just mm-hmm. look at her age you know the the length of our friendship. Anyway, I brought the idea to him and, you know, said, Hey, what do you think of this? Is this a crazy idea? You know, does this make sense? So first I, I had a network of people that I could talk to and see mm-hmm. what they thought. Um, I then started just sort of testing the idea with people who are in a situation where they would use it. And, um, what was really interesting about this is that this was the first time that I was putting an idea out there that people related to so emotionally that they would they would run after me on the soccer field when I was, you know, they're watching my kids game and say, please do this, please do this. <laughs> and I thought if, if there's such an emotional connection to this, then it's really something that I need to continue to pursue. Um, mm-hmm. So it happened over time. And, you know, it's interesting is I, I don't actually know. What the date is, you might say I started it. You know, everything was, a, well, let me just take the next step. Let me take the next step. Let me take the next step. And, you know, before I knew it, those steps actually led me somewhere.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so funny um, when you talk about people running after you on the soccer field and saying, please do this. I, you know, I was, I was uh, home for 11 years with my kids and, you know, involved in all sorts of activities uh, and, and saw parents all the time. And I remember one of the other moms that I was talking to saying, all I do is fill out forms and move things and people from one place to another. You
1: know, I'm telling you, and I'm terrible at it. You know, I always like to say I'm the lowest common denominator. So if it works for me, I'm the one that if if I can't figure out what you're saying in the subject of your email, the odds are I haven't read the email. You know, I forget the appointment. I don't get the paperwork in. Um, I, I mean, the funniest was when my, you know, high school athletic department was using family ID. And at that time, we didn't have the ability to upload your a copy of the annual physical And Mm. I had to leave, it was the middle of, you know, signing up for school sports, which was an incredibly busy time for us and early in the company when I was on the phone all the time. And I had to leave my office to run to the field to deliver the health form. And, you know, the athletic director was laughing because, uh, you know, this is exactly why I started Family ID because of people like me.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. Uh, well, clearly you were meeting a need and it was so emotional with people because it's their time and their productivity and that that is impacted by the problem that your company was solving. All right. So the, so the idea is catching on. The company, um, are you out there marketing it now and getting a bunch of people and sports teams and other people to sign up? And how was that happening? And were you hiring people along the way at this point? Yeah. So, you
1: know, when we first started Family ID, we were really looking at this for things that that weren't school related. The the business model um, took a share of the uh, revenue from the program. So if you were doing a camp or doing a ceramics course or something like that. Um, and we learned really quickly and we, and we, we Cordova was one of our very first customers. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a synagogue in Concord was one of our very first customers. Um, and that was terrific, but you know, I recognized pretty quickly that even though it was a very scalable revenue stream, it was really tough to, um, have predictable working capital. Um, And Mm -hmm. at the same time, my kids were doing a lot more at schools, they were getting a little bit older and and doing school sports. And I had the athletic department um, at my school, you know, let me know that this is something that would be incredibly helpful. And so Mike McGrath, the athletic director at Weston High School said, Hey, have you thought about this for school? So Mike, you know, shout out to you if you're listening to this. And uh, that was when we did a little bit of a pivot to start recognizing that schools were really, really had to be part of this equation and move to a subscription model. Um, And that's how we started to actually build the company with a more predictable subscription revenue model. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So wait, were the, were parents paying the subscription or were the um, institutions that were requiring the forms paying the subscription? The
1: institutions. So it always came from the institution. It either came um you know the organizations had an opportunity to charge their participants their families mm-hmm. their parents back to make up some of that uh cost but right. payment always came from the institutions
0: i see okay uh so what was your hiring strategy during this time uh at who who did you hire and how did you hire people
1: so it was, it was a really interesting choice to jump back in. As I mentioned, I had um, exited another startup um, and, and, and this ain't easy, right? You know, this, is, um, <laughs> this isn't this is something anyone should, yep. should do lightly. Uh, I always like to say startups aren't for sissies. And, um, That's true. you know, I, I swore I was never going to do it again, which is why you should never say that. Um, and so when I decided that I was going to embark on this again, I sat back and thought about, What was really important to me? What were my personal priorities? And a lot of that had to do with what kind of organization I wanted this to be. It wasn't just about what problem I wanted to solve, but it was, you know, what's my vision for the organization and and how it exists in the world and how it exists in my life. And Mm -hmm. I feel really strongly that there should there's no such thing as this concept of work-life balance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those aren't separate things, you know work is part of your life. And so part of what I wanted to do with Family ID was not only help solve a problem that was really sort of fundamental to the lives of of parents who were signing their kids up for these activities and, and, you know, had this responsibility to make this work for their kids and took a lot of time from them. Um, But I also really wanted to fulfill my idea of what how did I want to spend my life? If I was going to be working for six, eight, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, what should that look like? And what should it feel like? And how do I engage other people who are in a similar situation? Um, And, you know, this is serving families. So how do I make this something that's serving families in all ways, not just in terms of what my product does, but in terms of what my company does. So that was always a part of the vision.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So, Rochelle, when we had spoken earlier, you had told me that hiring relaunchers was part of your talent acquisition strategy. And I want to know if you can talk to us more about that and also maybe tell us about some of the relaunchers who were on your leadership team.
1: Yes, I, I knew from the beginning that this was going to be a good strategy for the company. So first of all, I, you know, I couldn't necessarily immediately make you know, a commitment to a full-time employee Positions for people, so I needed a way to um, phase in workers uh, in a way that worked with what the company could afford to do, and that meant hiring people part time, hiring people as contractors. Um, so finding a pool of people who may be interested in doing something that they could grow with as the company grew was important. Mm-hmm. That was one consideration. Another consideration was I wanted people that understood the problem and. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that understood the problem were often people who were in a situation that was very similar to mine. They were raising um, children. They were, uh, like I like to say, the COO of their family and taking mm-hmm. care of a lot of things. And, and those people typically um, were, were moms, often moms in a situation where they were looking to get back into the workforce, but they understood these problems. They were either either had dealt with them or they were in the process of dealing with them
0: hmm And can you give us some examples of some of the um, relaunchers who ended up in your organization?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I've had, I've had many over, over time. And um, when I started out early on, my, my dear friend, uh, Deb Vote, and so a shout out to Deb, was uh, one of the very first people that, that joined, uh, joined me at Family ID. She was actually somebody who I met in my daughter's, in my new mom's group when I had my daughter. So okay. she, she was there for a couple of starts for me. And um, again, in a similar situation to me where she was looking for something that's interesting and uh, but something that fit into her life. Ultimately, over time, you know, we hired a number of, of people who are relaunching, mostly moms. Um, and uh, some worked and some didn't work. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the most notable things and what I will say is the benefit of when it works, it works on so many levels that it's it's almost magical. And um, my executive team, you know, by the time we sold Family ID um, was comprised of uh, Allison Nathan headed up business development and uh, she'd worked for me at a previous company. She took time off to raise her kids um, we reconnected at a bar outside of a Willie Nelson concert. Um, <laughs> and she let me know that she wanted to get back into it, but wasn't ready yet. So we were, we were primed to work together. And, and that phased in. She started out working 10 to 15 hours a week um, before she ultimately became one of the um, key members of, of my executive team. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, I was also just so lucky to work with a woman named Jen Yagnesack who became my head of sales who was also took time off to uh, be home with her family came back in in a sales position where you know i offered a lot of flexibility and i had a sales manager that wasn't working out and she rose to the challenge there because she was already part of the company and And she had an opportunity to sort of move her way in as well so that she could see, yes, this is a fit. Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can put in the time. And then you know, quickly, uh, she was actually overqualified for the job she was in. So she was a great fit for that job uh, when it became available. So she became a really critical member of the team. Um, Amy Kelly, who was my VP of marketing, wasn't a relauncher, but probably, Ended up uh, would have relaunched if she if she could. So mm-hmm. single mom um, who would always worked in companies where again you know it was about work was one thing and life was another thing and and that's an awfully tough way to spend your days, particularly as a, as a single working mom. And uh, so she wasn't a relauncher, but she very much fit the profile of somebody that wanted to work at a company where they they understood the role that life plays. Um, and workplaces in life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then finally, my um, chief technology officer is a guy named Doug Clawson, who had taken time off um, to move with his wife uh, for um, for a master's program that she was uh, working in. So he moved to to Cincinnati, and he was starting to look for something new, um, jumping back in, and uh, it was a again a perfect fit for him also, because we were looking for, uh, you know, we weren't in a situation, this is this is before it was quite as popular to have people working all over the place. But, you know, part of hiring relaunchers was um, hiring uh, people who appreciated flexibility, and with whom we could be flexible. And so that was something that really worked for him as well.
0: Right. And this just underscores for our relaunching audience, you know, we talk about all the different ways that people can relaunch and one of the really interesting opportunities uh, that where you can get and uh, do interesting substantive energizing work uh, flexibly or you know on in a situation maybe you w- work up from as rochelle saying 10 to 15 hours a week and then more as a company's growing is in a startup or a small company situation so uh it's a it's a very good option for relaunchers to keep their eye open for the right match Uh, to to, not to be the entrepreneur yourself, but to work on an entrepreneurial team that someone else is leading. Rochelle, can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of family ID? Um, Like, was there a moment where all of a sudden it's like, wow, we're going to get really big here? How did you finance it? Uh, What were some of the elements there?
1: Well, you know it's 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 interesting. um and i I, I want to equate this back to relaunchers as well. Um, I actually never questioned whether it was going to be successful. I mean, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you always know that you're you know a breath away from extinction as well as a breath away from success, you know, mm-hmm. ten years mm-hmm. working to become an overnight success. Um, yes, but I always believed it, and um, I really never questioned it. and so. You only often can only see the progress um, when you look backwards. You know, there were certainly milestones about it. But um, one of the things that I think really worked, and I owe a lot of this to to relaunchers and to building a company that wove the way we looked at our team and our employees as people the same way we looked at our customers, is Mm -hmm. that. Our customers loved us, loved us because we treated everybody that way. The culture of the company and the vision of the company was wasn't something that we painted on top of the organization. It was part of the fabric of who we were. And everybody felt it all the time. Yeah. So it was really critical. And I will say that, you know, there were there were certainly milestones. The milestones are times when you look back and notice that you've made progress as opposed to really markings of the progress itself, I think. So, you know, I think that um, actually, you know, having the first employee is a milestone, you know, when our first customers renewed, because for me, you know, buying something, having somebody buy the product shows that they're interested in seeing what it can do. Having somebody buy it again shows that we've delivered. So that was huge. Um, I think at the point where, you know, we worked out of my house for a long time, so you know we had desks in the living room and the dining room was the conference table and <laughs> we recess outside. And um, we used to have, you know, to, to encourage people to put in the extra hours. I would feed people if they were there at the, by the time I was going to cook dinner. So my poor kids, I cook dinner later and later every night. <laughs> um, so, you know, moving from that, you know, really, you know, great to look back on environment to more professional office space was a big milestone for us. Raising money um, and getting interest from institutional investors um, was a milestone, not because that is in and of itself success, which I actually always found frustrating that everybody congratulated you as though your company was successful because it got an investment. But it is an indication of of other people on the outside saying, Yeah, we, we see the traction here. You know, we believe in
0: mm-hmm. this as well. Interesting. Then you had an acquisition, and as you're saying, it, it only takes 10 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> so you were toiling away for a really long time and growing this company, but you know, really believing in it and then you got, you got acquired. Can you talk to us a little bit about how, like maybe take us through, how did that happen? So I think that, um, acquisitions
1: happen when, when in some ways you least want them to, when you mm-hmm. are so happy, I say this all the time, Carol, I'm, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I loved working. I loved the people I work with. I love what I did so much that on Sunday nights, instead of getting like thinking, "Oh, tomorrow's Monday," I'd say, "Yay, mm-hmm. hey, tomorrow's Monday! I couldn't wait to get back to it." Mm-hmm. So, um, you might say that sounds like a crazy time to sell your business when you know you're firing on all cylinders and you're profitable and you're growing and your customers love you and you love the people you work with. Like, why in the world would you sell it? Um, which is a question I do ask myself sometimes, but. <laughs> You know, when you love it the most is is when is when it really is great and people are attracted to it. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: we we went through multiple times. We had offers to acquire the company at multiple times in the business. And I think a big reason for that was we were really focused on making it a great business. We weren't focused on an acquisition. We were focused on having a great business that we wanted mm-hmm. to do at. And that's the kind of business that somebody else wants also. Mm-hmm. So it got to a point where you know we hit a critical mass, we got to a stage where the offers were a lot more attractive. Um, we uh, had a company that um, saw a similar vision where we really saw that, that this acquisition was a path toward growth that we could do things together that we, we couldn't do on our own. And mm-hmm. you know, so the choice for us was, you know, take on a lot more investment, continue to grow at the pace we were at, which was limited by the the capital that we had, or join, become, become part of another organization and see the
0: vision through that way. Mm hmm. Um, You know, it's interesting because I'm reflecting here on on all of our podcast guests and and we have interviewed relaunched entrepreneurs at different points. But I think that this is the first time that I am speaking to a relaunch entrepreneur who is in the post exit euphoria of a successful sale of the company as opposed to to, you know, in the middle of operating the company. And I wanted to know, how do you think about this? Uh, Do you, do you actively, like, did you, when you sold the company, um, did you like, go to sleep for three days like, to make up for, for, for like, uh, y- you know, the perpetual exhaustion? Or di- did you think, wow, this is so exciting now I get to do X, Y, and Z that I wanted to spend time on for a long time? Or, you know, how did you think about your time?
1: Well, so I think it's interesting that you use um, post-exit euphoria as a word. I don't know if euphoria is the word. That
0: I <laughs> Would you describe it? I, well, it's
1: interesting. It's a, it's a real period of, of self reflection. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, what I would say is, anytime you make a change and you're no longer doing something that you love, you can't mm-hmm. help but feel a little bit of loss. I mean, I admit, yeah, and I think that there's a, a time of reflection. Um, I, I worked for Arbiter Sports for for a number of months um, before I I left them to to take this forward without me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's definitely a lot of reflection here. I like to talk about this as um, being on a learning tour right now, Mm -hmm. being able to have the time to look at what else is happening, have my head up, be open to new things. And um, it's, it's exciting, but, you know, choices are hard. And for relaunchers, I mean, one of the things I'll say I think perhaps some of the hardest. I, I view myself in a relaunch phase right now. You know, I'm coming off of something, and I'm taking some time. And there's going to be another chapter because um, I don't. Like I said, I don't have a lot of hobbies, hobbies and I'm never going to be a professional tennis player, despite my dreams. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm I'm in that reflective stage right now, and I think sometimes what's most daunting about it are the choices there's a saying that I've always loved, which is startups don't die of starvation. They die of indigestion. And (laughs) I kind of feel that way about relaunching. Mm -hmm. There's, there's so many things, you know, which one, how do I even start to make the choice about where to focus my efforts? And how do I know that's the right place to go? Um, So I'm, I'm in that path right now, but I'm enjoying it. So I'm, you know, I'm mentoring, I'm advising both on a volunteer basis and on a professional basis. And I'm just talking to people and learning about what they're doing, and accepting that I don't actually need to have a clear idea right now, that I can explore, and I can um, let some things happen organically. And mm-hmm. uh, And so that's what I'm doing. And I'm getting to do really fun things like this podcast, which is great.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's so interesting that you talk about this process similar to a relaunching process because it is. You, you, you know, when when people are returning to work after a career break, it really uh, we say the career break can be a gift because it's an opportunity to step back and reflect on whether you were on the right career path to begin with, and whether you want to return to exactly what you left, or a permutation of it, or maybe relaunch in an entirely new direction if you find that you know, what I was doing before was not even the right thing. I fell into it and I didn't even know myself at the time. So this idea of, uh, of being on a learning tour, I really love that concept. Uh, and I'm hoping for our relaunching audience who is in the early stage of what we call assessing your career options, that you approach it this way and be very open to lots of different possibilities because, just tying this back, Rochelle, what, what to, uh, what the relaunch advice we give people is ultimately they have to decide, uh, because whatever that decision is, is going to drive the rest of their relaunch and ultimately where they got hot, hi- where they get hired and, and all the circumstances of, um, uh, what, what they do for work. So that's a, that's a great framework. Thank you. Absolutely. So, we're rounding out to the end of our conversation here. And I want to know, I want to ask you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is what is the best piece of advice for our relauncher audience? Even if it's something that we've already talked about today.
1: Wow. The best piece that's like, what's your favorite meal? I probably have. (laughs) I don't have a favorite. Um, I will say a couple of things. I actually think are really important. Uh, You know, I, I, have to remember this, you know, don't apologize for what for, for the choices that you've made. You're not, you're, you're a better person, you're a more rounded person, you have more experiences when you um today than you did yesterday. And even if you've been out of the formal workforce for a number of years, you know, you have been in a bubble without experiences, you, you've been doing things, and um, those things are can be incredibly valuable. In fact, for the people that understand that sometimes having diff- bringing different experiences into a position can be even more valuable than somebody who's just done the same job before, they're the people that are going to really appreciate you. And, um, and you need to understand the fact, you know, I've always loved to hire people who have waited tables and I have never owned a restaurant. So why do I value that? Because the skills that they bring when they're able to keep people happy in that kind of environment. And when they have so little control over so much of what happens, Um, you know, if you can do that, there are a lot of things that you can apply those skills to. So having confidence in the things that you've learned while you were taking a break from sort of a formal career and understanding how that, how that can fit and how that can help you be a great, um, a great employee or a great entrepreneur or, or whatever you choose I think is um, I think is really critical, and recognizing that you know you're you're not so much selling yourself as you're trying to understand what the needs are of the job that you're pursuing, and mm-hmm. how your special skills and accomplishments and talents really solve that for the company, and then you, you know, you don't have to worry so much about what your resume looks like, because you're showing somebody that you understand how you can bring value in your own special, unique way. Um, And then you're not stacking up, you know, lines on a resume against lines on a resume. Resumes are important, people look at them, and you've got to be able to do that. But at the end of the day, you're bringing something special to somebody. And um, if you go in with the confidence in yourself and the understanding that your experiences matter, then, you know, you're going to be able to really show uh, the value that you bring.
0: That is great advice. And it really underscores one of the parts uh, of the whole concept about relaunchers that we talk to employers about uh, that the life experience of the relauncher is, is part of what they bring to the table. So thank you for that. Uh, so, Rochelle, this has been a delightful conversation. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: It's been a pleasure. And, um, you know, go relaunchers. I mean, everybody should have multiple chapters in their life. And if your chapters are varied, then you're, you're, you're super lucky. And I uh, just wish everyone the best of luck.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you. And thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host.